You're listening to the Novel Universe Podcast, a monthly YALA podcast hosted by Dawn Abron and Elise Martinez, YA librarians from the Chicagoland area. Each episode features reviews and rants on new and upcoming YA books. We're here to help you navigate your TBR pile. What's good, what's bad, and everything in between. I'm Dawn, the criticizer of books. And I'm Elise, the rejecter of romance. So turn up the volume. Here we go. universe with your host Dawn. It is the end of the year and I ain't got to go to work so I might be podcasting every day. I'm off for the next 10 days and I'm not doing much so you might get a podcast for me every day. Uh, But today I'm doing the best 14 realistic YA books of the decade. Now this is for the entire decade between 2010 and 2019 And 14 is an odd number, but A, I don't read a lot of contemporary, and B, I don't give a lot of fours and fives. My nickname is The Criticizer of Books. I have earned that name for a reason, mostly because I don't like a lot of books. My Goodreads rating is a 3.33, which is pretty shitty, but, you know, I have to own it. Um, So because I don't give a lot of fours and fives or four and a halfs and fives, my list is quite short. Especially for contemporary, because I don't I don't read a lot of it. Um, so before I get started in this with this list, I go want to go back and talk about why I choose books the way I do. I have said this before, but I think it's really relevant to explain now. If you already heard my spiel and what I look for, you can fast forward through it. If you are new to the pod, this is what I look for and why these books have made my list. The first thing I look for is character development. I want a character that has a new voice, meaning a character I have never read before or I don't read often. The supporting characters need to aid in the aid in the plot or the character development and the antagonist needs to be well-rounded and sympathetic. These books don't have antagonists, not most of them don't. And the other thing I look for in realistic fiction particularly is writing style. I like a particularly type of writing. I like a thematic book that has a lot of themes, symbolic. I like, I like when an author puts things in a book that mean something. What I don't like is when an author wax poetic about some fucking tree that means absolutely nothing to the story or the character. Now, if the tree means something, great. If it doesn't, I hate it. I like a metaphorical prosy, quotey book. I don't like a predictable book. Um, what else do I don't like? I don't know. I just, I don't like a lot of stuff, but what I do like is I like a very slow character driven story. The slower, almost the better for me. I don't care about action on the page. So a lot of the books on this list are going to be books that you either have never heard of before or you did not like because it was slow. If you have a similar type of book that you like than I do, um, as I do, I should say, I do watch a lot of YouTubers and there are certain YouTubers that I like more because I have similar taste in books as them. And so I tend to like if they like a book, highly likely that I will like it, too. And so if I have a similar taste in books as you, then you are probably going to like these books. 
I also want to state that I tend to like weird YA. Some of these books are weird. And by weird, I mean books that are actually set in contemporary times, but have a science fiction slant. And I tend to like those books because they're different. I get sick of reading the same story over and over again. And that happens when you read a lot of fantasy. There's always some damn war that has to be fought out in the third book. I'm sick of that bullshit. So if I can find a story that has like a, a weird slant to it, I'm all about that. Lastly about this book, this list, they these books on this list are buddy read books or books that you should probably read in a book discussion because it, you have to take a lot of notes with this book, these books. You have to really stop and research or pay attention or whatever. These are critical books. They're not fluffy books. I, I like fluffy too, but these all are critical books. And so if you are going to tackle them or if you did not like them and you're like, why the hell does she like this book? It's because a lot of them I did with a book club or a buddy read where I read with another person and we really sat down and talked about it. So I recommend when you read a critical book to buddy read it or do it as a book discussion. All right, without further ado, here is my best 14 realistic YA of the decade. Number 14 is Codename Verity by Elizabeth Vane. I think that's how you say her name. W-E-I-N. This book was published in 2014. Codename Verity is a historical fiction book. I believe it is set in World War II. I probably should have looked that up before I started this podcast. And it is about two teenage girls. One is a spy and one is a fighter pilot. I believe she's a fighter pilot. She is a pilot. And the spy gets captured and the pilot has to save her. This is a tough book to get through because... I believe that it is it is YA. It is in the YA genre, but I think it's for adults who read YA. I I have never been able to give this book to a teen and they came back and was like, oh my God, Miss Dawn, I love this book. I'm a librarian, by the way. I'm a teen librarian. So no teen has ever said that to me ever. So um, with that being said, it's, it's, it's a tough book to get through. It took me three times and... The third time where I actually did get through it, I had to listen to it on audiobook. So it is incredibly sad. It is one of the saddest endings I've ever read in a book. I actually read this at my desk at work and I was sobbing. I was sobbing at my desk and my coworkers are looking at me like, what the hell is wrong with this girl? So there is one line in the book that is my favorite. I had Elizabeth Bain write it in my book. And it was the kiss me hearty, kiss me now line. Every time I hear that line, I want to cry. Um, but yeah, if you like historical fiction and you like a slow book, it is hard to get through because she's being tortured. She's captured and she's being tortured. And it's hard to get through. It is legit historical fiction. Then I recommend Codename Verity by Elizabeth Vane. Number 13 is Genuine Fraud by E. Lockhart. This was published in 2017. This is a book that nobody likes but me, I believe. I like E. Lockhart's writing. She is going to come up on this list again. But this is a thriller. But the thing I think people don't like about it is that because it's a thriller, you expect it to be thrilling and like action, like Girl on the Train or Girl Gone Girl, like, like fast paced, like tense. And that doesn't really happen in this book. And I can understand 
why people would be upset with that because you think you're getting a thriller and it's really not that thrilling. But the unique thing about this book is that it is told backwards. So at the beginning of the book, we're at the end of the story and you have to go backwards to find out what happens. Our main character, Jules, has killed a woman, a girl, and she's on the run. And so as the book progresses, we find out how she met this girl, why she killed her. And it's really all about Jules and how mental she is. She's got problems and it she's not all there. And I enjoyed it a lot because, as I said, I like a slow character-driven story. It didn't bother me at all. I thought the little nuances that E. Lockhart put in the book were great. And if you caught it and it was even better. So if you like a thriller that's not quite thrilling, hey, Genuine Fraud might be for you. Number 12 is Spontaneous by Aaron Starmer. This was published in 2016. Once again, no one read this book. This book is great because A, it's weird YA. This is a weird YA. This book is set in contemporary times. Our main character, Mara, is a high school senior, and she is just, you know, she's just living her life. She's not quite sure what she wants to do. She doesn't sure she wants to, she's not sure she wants to go to college. She's just like, hey, whatever. And then one day, her classmates just start spontaneously combusting. And what's great about this book, and this is why it's weird, that makes it weird. The spontaneous combusting part is what makes it weird. But what I like about this book is that Aaron Starmer never tells the reader, oh, you know what, this whole spontaneous combusting thing, that's just a metaphor. Or no, they're really spontaneously combusting. He doesn't tell you. It is up to you to decide if they are spontaneously combusting or if they are dying from drugs or just life in general. You have no idea. And that's why this is a discussion book. Because you have, everyone's going to have their own opinion. And that's what makes the book great. Also, the ending is kind of open-ended. Some people don't like that. Some people like for the author to tell them exactly how the book ends. They don't like an open-ended book. This is open-ended. And it's, it's up to you, man. And if you are into that, I say go for it. It's a great book. I did it for book club with my teens. They all loved it. Number 11 is We Were Liars by E. Lockhart, once again. So most people, this was published in 2014. Most people are familiar with this book, especially if you are, if you're, <clears throat> excuse me, if you're a librarian and you've been around for a while, you are quite familiar with this book. It is, it was very polarizing. People either gave it a five or they gave it a two. And I gave it a five. Obviously, it's on my list. And everybody at the time, everybody was talking about this book. It's all everybody talked about. It was kind of like the sixth sense of books because there was this ending. And if you found out the ending before you read the book, well, it was just fucked up for you. You know, like, damn, you told me the ending. How dare you? It was one of those things. And it was great because it was really buzzy. But this book is basically about our main character. I believe her name is Catelyn or Katie. And she has amnesia. And something has happened on her family's island. And so she has to go back to her family's island to find out what has happened. And so she's living among her grandfather and her mom and her aunties and her cousins. And she's trying to, it's a, it's once again, it's kind of a thriller. And once again, this is a, a, an E. Lockhart thriller, which means it is not very quick moving, thrilling thriller. It's kind of a slow thriller. So 
I loved it. Every teen I've given it to has loved it. And if you kind of like a slow burn thriller, murder mystery type of thing, then We Are Liars, you will probably enjoy that. Number 10 is Salt to the Sea by Ruta Sepetys. This was published in 2016. This is historical fiction and it takes place. I'm sorry, I have to do some research. I did not do this before and I was supposed to. This takes place in World War II and it is about a ship, a little known ship. That's what I'm looking up. The Wilhelm something with a G, Gustav, the Wilhelm Gustav ship or submarine. And it was a German cruise liner that was to ferry wartime personnel and refugees from safety from the advancing Red Army. I just read that from Goodreads because I couldn't quite remember the ship they were on. And so we have four main characters and they're all coming from different circumstances and they all kind of accidentally converge to get to this submarine. And it is World War II. It is not a happy good time. And it's realistic fiction. It's historical fiction. It's sad. And but it was quite informational. Ruta Sapetis takes years to research her books and she takes a lot of time to research her books. And so when you are reading a Ruta Sapetis book, it is often quite good. Uh, so if you like historical fiction, again, Salt of the Sea by Ruta Sapetis. Number nine is I'll Give You the Sun by Jandy Nelson. This was published in 2014. Um, I'll Give You the Sun is about a set of twins. Noah and Jude. Noah is a boy, Jude is a girl. And the book is told when they're, I want to say 12 or 13, and then it jumps to when they're 16. And it jumps again to when they're 13. And when they're 13, Noah is a closeted gay boy. His father is homophobic. He gets bullied. His life is just not great. Meanwhile, his sister is very popular. She's beautiful. They live by the beach, so she's like a surfer. And just to sum up the type of girl she is, or not the type of girl, but what her character is, she's leaving the house one day, and her mom, she's having the typical, you know, daughter-mother combative relationship. Her mom looks at her as she walks out the door, as Jude walks out the door, and she says, you don't want to be that girl. That line still sticks with me. You don't want to be that girl. And so she is, she has got boyfriends and, you know, best friends and she is, she's just living a great life. And then we see them again at 16 and jumps to 16 and Noah is an athlete. He's got a girlfriend. He's got lots of friends. He's popular. And Jude, on the other hand, is a loner. She wears black all the time. She, she is just not the same girl she was before. So in the middle, you are being told what has happened to this family and what, you discover and this book is great because of all the themes that are going on in this book is that the family is estranged and it is because of what jealousy and lies and secrets can do and can just eat away at a family and it is so well told the characters are beautifully written it's a great story if you are looking for just like a really good book with a lot of themes and beautiful writing 
I'll Give You the Sun by Jandy Nelson. I highly recommend it. Number eight is The Serpent King by Jeff Setner. This was published in 2016. Most of you have probably already read this book. If not, you have heard of it or Jeff Sentner. Uh, this book is basically about Dill, who is, he lives in rural, the rural South. I don't know if it's Kentucky or Tennessee. I can't remember. And his father was a preacher at this church that kind of uses serpents in their sermons. And his father goes to prison for a pretty bad crime. And he has a best friend named Lydia, and she is a polar opposite. She has a great family life. She is college bound. She has a very successful blog. She is confident. She stands up to bullies. You know, she's just this great girl. And he's kind of in love with her. Uh, but he knows that she's going to leave and he's stuck because he has to work and take care of his mom because his father's in prison. And it's really just about friendship and parents. And it's, it's a sad book. It's one of those books that is just really depressing However, you find some inspiration in it. And Jeff Sentner is really good at like sad, depressing teens. I have not been happy with his two subsequent books. I'm hoping he goes back to the sad teen genre that he does so well. But this book is great. If you haven't read it and you like a good, you need a good contemporary book, The Serpent King by Jeff Sentner. Number seven is Challenger Deep by Neil Schusterman. Challenger Deep is different than what Schusterman usually writes. He usually writes science fiction. Um, he wrote Scythe and Unwind. But this one is about schizophrenia. And he wrote it with his son who suffers from schizophrenia. And it is about a boy who is suffering from schizophrenia. And because the main character, um, because the book is written by someone who has schizophrenia, there's no research that needs to be involved. It's his story. And so you know you're getting... A, a look at someone who has schizophrenia and what they are dealing with on a day-to-day -day basis. I'm not going to say too much about it. That's really what the book is about. It is quite slow and a little confusing. So if you find yourself in the first third of the book, like, what the hell am I reading? Just keep going. Just keep going. It gets, it gets better. I almost DNF'd it, but I just, I was like, no, this is Neil Schusterman. He's a good writer. I'm just going to keep going. And I'm glad I did because it's a really good book. Number six is Patron Saints of Nothing by Randy Rabay. This was published this year, 2019. This book made my top 10 of 2019. Um, if you listen to that podcast, you already know where it lands. So I'm not going to go too much into it. It's basically about Jay, who is... Um, a Filipino American kid. He lives, I believe that he, they live in Michigan. He's a senior in high school. You know, his family is whatever. You know, he smokes weed. He plays video games with his friends. He likes girls, whatever. He's just like living his life. And then one day his cousin, who's the same age as him, June, has been murdered in the Philippines by the Duarte regime. And at that point, his life just changes because he has... He needs to find out what has happened to his cousin, even though they weren't very close. And it becomes a, a murder mystery. And it's set, it's, it's in, most of the book takes place in the Philippines. So it's a great book because it's just, it's something that's actually happening right now. It's very relatable to a lot of teens. If you're a librarian and you're looking for a good relatable teen book or a good discussion book, highly recommend um, Patron Saints of Nothing. My book club is currently reading it right now and they are all loving it. We haven't discussed it yet, but they're all really liking the book. 
So yeah, I'm not gonna go too much into it because I kind of did already. Elise and I already did a review of this book in an earlier podcast. You can go back and find that if you really want to hear what we had to say about it. All right, number five is The Lie Tree by Frances Hardinge, and this was published in 2015. So this could kind of be considered weird YA. It's not contemporary though. It is set in the Victorian times. It is a gothic book. It is very atmospheric. It is very dark and foggy and bleak. Um, it is, once again, a thriller mystery. However, it is not thrilling on the page. Once again, it's one of those genuine fraud things where it's, it's a thriller, it's a murder mystery, but you're not going to get too much thrilling action on the page. It's more about the characters and the themes, which there are a plenty. So our main character, Faith, is about 12 or 13. Frances Harding's characters are always under 14 years old. So she's about 12 or 13, and she, her father has been murdered, and I think she finds him in like a garden or something. And he was a scientist and he made this huge discovery. And so she goes through all of his notes and papers to find out what has happened to him. And meanwhile, she discovers this tree. And the tree kind of produces this weird fruit. And I'm not going to say too much about the tree because it's called the lie tree. It's all about the tree. But what I loved about this book is all the themes and all the topics that went into the story. So Frances Harding is talking about Darwinism and evolution versus creationism. She's got, it's got a feminist slant to it. Um, our main character is unlikable and she doesn't care if you don't like her. Like it's, it's a, be I thought it was a beautifully written story. A lot of people didn't like it, but it's very atmospheric. Faith's mother is a bitch, but she is a great character. I believe her name is Moira or something like that. Um, just It's just a great story. And the relationship that Faith has with her father was great. It was just a really good story. It does kind of slow down in the end a little bit. But if you can keep through it and you like a good, once again, beautifully written book, prosy, metaphorical. This is a discussion book though. You really, it's so much symbolism going on in this story. You really should read this with a buddy or a book club because once again, everyone's going to get something different out of it. Something that you missed and you're like, oh, I totally didn't catch that. It's, it's one of those stories. Okay. So my number four was going to be Eleanor and Park. However, a lot of us have heard that it is now being called out for being racist. And I did some research to find out what the big to-do was. It turns out it's not that great as far as it's, it's, it's bad. Um, I wouldn't call it racist, though. I am black, um, and I know what racist looks like. I, I, I would say that it is racially insensitive. When you call someone racist, you're, a racist is, has a specific meaning. It means that uh, there is a person in power that is oppressing you because of your race. Now, one could argue that um, Rainbow Rowell has a position of power, but 
I wouldn't call it racist. I would call it racially insensitive. I am black. I am a librarian. And the library field is predominantly white and female, but mostly white. And I am the only black person in our administrative team. And at least once every two months, one of my coworkers makes a racially insensitive comment. I would not call them racist, but I would say something that they said was a stereotype or racially insensitive. Sometimes I say something, sometimes I'll just like show it on my face. I'll just make a face for them to be like, oh, let me stop. That's insensitive. Or sometimes I don't say anything at all. I know it's a whole thing. It's a whole thing with culture and the workplace. And I'm not going to get into that. But it is racially insensitive. So therefore, I could not put it on my list. I did have to take it off. So um, I actually replaced it with Codename Verity because I totally forgot about that book. But my number four now is The Passion of Dosa by Julie Berry. And this was published in 2016. This is a pretty thick book. Once again, no one is reading it. I also think that this book is written for adults who read YA. I have never been able to give this book to a teen. No teen is going to no teen is going to read this book. It's just not going to happen. <laughs> but this book takes place in 13th century France where the I know I'm going to get this wrong. This is historical fiction and it's where the crusaders of the Catholic Church. I, I am not good at history, guys. So that's probably all kind of wrong. But anyway, our main character, we have two main characters, Botil and the, the title character, Dosa. Dosa is a teenage girl who's going around town telling everybody that Jesus is her boyfriend. And they're like, oh my God, she's a heretic. We need to burn her ass now. And so there is a priest who is chasing her as she's running away to get her and to kill her. And along the way, he's interviewing people that she's come across to find out what her deal is. And so she lands in Provence, France with Botille and her sisters. And Botille and her sisters are not traditional ladies. You know, this is 13th century. Most of the women at a certain age are married and have kids. But Botille and her sisters, they own a bar and a restaurant her sister is psychic. Her other sister enjoys the company of men. Uh, I believe Botille is the psychic one. And this book is incredibly slow. It is the definition of character driven. But it is Julie Berry really challenges the reader to decide if Dosa is really dating Jesus or is she crazy? She really makes you think about faith. It's not overly religious, but it does have some religious undertones. Obviously, Dosa thinks she's dating Jesus, but it is, there's a love story in there. It was really beautiful. There's kind of a mystery going on. The ending was confusing for me, so if you find a blog or something that kind of explains the ending, I behoove you to look it up. But it's a beautiful book. I loved every second of it. It is slow, though, and it is a discussion book. So you either have to take hella notes or you need to read it with other people and discuss it because you're going to have a tough time with this book. Okay, number three. We're in our top three. 
Number three is Sadie by Courtney Summers. This was published in 2018. Most of you are probably familiar with Sadie. It just came out last year. Every fucking body and their grandma was talking about it, including me, because it made my number one last year. But Sadie is basically about a girl whose sister has been murdered and she is out to find the murderer. And what she uncovers is this underground world of pedophilia. It is a hard book to get through. It is triggering if that triggers you. It is it is just depressing, just this life this girl has had to live and what she sees and it's it's a hard book but it is beautifully written I loved every second of it that character still stays with me I have teens who are reading it now for book discussion they've all loved it it's it's just a great book so if you're okay with that type of topic I highly 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 recommend it that's Sadie by Courtney Summers Number two, down to number two, is More Happy Than Not by Adam Silvera. This came out in 2015. This is another weird YA. It is a contemporary book about Aaron. He's our main character. He lives in a one-bedroom apartment with his mom. He shares a living room couch with his brother. His father has committed suicide. His mom works hard just to provide for her family. And Aaron himself has tried to commit suicide. He's a troubled young man. And this book is basically about positivity. The theme is in the title of the story, More Happy Than Not. And it's basically saying that you are going to have some good days and you're going to have some bad days. But it is important to just get through the good days because another good, get through the bad days, I'm sorry, because a good day is coming your way. Some days you are just more happy than not. It's basically the theme of the book. But there's a scientific, uh, a science fiction slant to it, which elevates it. There are a lot of books that have that theme, but it elevates it. And it's just a great story about hope and survival and just being okay with who you are. I met Adam Silvera in 2015. This was his debut. And I was at an author signing of Julie Murphy. She wrote Dumplin'. And no one knew who he was because his book had just come out like two months earlier. And I had already read it. And nobody else was really reading his book yet. And I saw him walk in. And no one knew who he was. And so I was going to see him the next day at another conference. And the plan was to just walk by him. I was with Elise, my co-podcaster. I was going to walk by him and just say, hi, love your book and keep going. And I did that and he stopped me and he was just like, no, come and talk to me. And so I talked to him for like 20 minutes or so, Elise and I did. And he was just, just so grateful and humble and positive and just, just excited for everything because this was his first book. I believe he was only like 23, just, just great energy. And then I saw him the next day at the next conference and he signed my book and he put my name in it. He wrote some, he drew some little pictures in it. It was all great, cute and everything. And then two years later, I believe it was two years later, I saw him at BEA and I waited in his line to get my next book signed by him. And he was just like, Dawn, Elise, come give me a hug. Oh my God. And he remembered us. And it was just like, oh my God, he's such a great person. 
and he has a new book coming out. It's it's fantasy, believe it or not. So if you have not read an Adam Silvera book, a they're depressing AF. I'm just I'm just gonna put it out there right now. I personally cannot read any more of his realistic fiction anymore because they're LGBTQ plus and they're heavy and fucking depressing. And I cannot with the sadness. Like the one book is just about death. The last two books were just death. And I was like, I can't, I can't with this topic anymore. But he's a good writer. So if you like that stuff, pick it, pick it up and go meet him. I just, I just implore you to go meet this man because he's just got such great energy. Okay, we are down to my number one book of the decade, not the year, the entire decade. I just started reading YA in 2010. So I haven't been reading YA that long of course I read it when I was a teenager but then I stopped reading for a long time then when I got into the library world I started reading again and so this book I was not gonna read because I did not like the author's first book but I decided to give it a go anyway because I was like yeah let's just see and I'm glad I did and the number one book of 2000 oh no <laughs> The number one book of the decade, realistic fiction book, is The Sun is Also a Star by Nicola Yoon. And this was published in 2016. I did not like everything, everything. I, But I read her second book because I liked her writing style. She writes beautifully and she's very quotey and she has so much that she wants to say about love and friendship and family and so I was like well let me give her another try because I did enjoy the writing I just didn't enjoy the execution and boy I'm glad I did everybody knows what this book is about it was a movie it is about Natasha who was a immigrant and her family is getting deported and she is on a race against the clock to try to stay in the country and meanwhile she runs into Daniel who's a first generation American he's Korean American and he's on his way to a college interview that he really doesn't want to go to and he I think he saves her life he like stops her from going into the street and they have this friendship for a whole day one could call it insta love I choose not to but whatever because I hate insta love but this book what what I loved most about this book is it's basically asking the reader if you believe in fate or coincidence. The entire book is about fate or coincidence. And all of these little things that happen to cause the ending of the book, they all had to work perfectly. Is that fate or is that coincidence? And I just love that whole overarching topic of the story and all the side characters that add to the plot. Um, I did not see the movie, but I heard it didn't do the book justice. And I purposely didn't see the movie because I knew it was going to ruin it for me because I've, I love this book. Like, I literally did not have to think about putting this as number one because I already knew that I love this book. And it's it's timely right now because Natasha is an immigrant and she could have very well been a dreamer. She was brought here when she was a kid. America's all she's known. And now she's being deported to a country she's never been to or she doesn't remember. So, and that is exactly what we're going through right now in our country, in America. Um, 
So if you have not read The Sun is Also a Star, if you're on the fence, get off that fence and read it. It's a beautiful story. I sobbed my face off at the end of this book. Tears literally on the page. Um, highly recommend it. I highly recommend, obviously, all the books on my list. Like I said, some of these books you probably never heard of. Some of these books you probably hated. That's okay. I'm a weird reader. I like slow stuff. If you don't like slow stuff, you are not going to like my taste in books. Okay, that concludes this podcast. As I said, I have like the next 10 days off of work. I have nothing but time because I need to finish my Goodreads goal. And so I'll be at home a lot trying to read and get through everything, which means I will have time to podcast. So I might be podcasting every day. I will be podcasting my favorite science fiction fantasy of the decade, my favorite ships of the decade, my favorite protagonists of the decade, and my favorite antagonists of the decade. And I have to finish recording my read along with the universe ninth house. If you are reading Ninth House or have read Ninth House, you can go back and listen to my in-depth discussion of it. Uh, but until then, I am going to start reading my next book. And I hope you have a great new year and I'll catch you in the next podcast. <laughs>